0: listening to all the books a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases this is episode 299 and today we are talking about books being released on february 23rd 2021 and more i'm liberty hardy here with patricia lz tuttle and we're coming to you from bookriot.com patricia hello hi liberty how's it going It's going okay. It is. uh, We're recording
1: on a Friday, and I'm very happy that it's the end of my day job work week. Friday night is usually pizza night for us, so I'm very excited.
0: Ooh, pizza. That sounds good. Now I want pizza. I always want pizza. (laughs) I don't even know anymore. Like, all the days are the same for me. I'm just like, (laughs) get up, read books, write things, read books, go to bed, get up. (laughs) You know, it's just like basically the same thing over and over. It's good though. I mean, it's not a bad. It's not a bad life. It's just like I cannot keep the day straight anymore. I said it was Friday like three times on Wednesday after I had my usual appointment on Wednesday, and my husband also pointed out that it was Wednesday. I kept saying it was Friday. Oh no! <laughs> it's like I give up. What are days anymore? I don't know. Just Except for Tuesdays. I always remember Tuesdays because that's when the new books come out. And that's when the show comes out. And that is exciting.
1: Well, and I remember Wednesdays because Wednesday is usually new comic book day.
0: That's right. It's like the comics are rebels. Like everything else comes out on Tuesdays except for movies that used to come out on Fridays. But like what is going to the movies anymore? Right. But then comics were on Wednesdays. It's like, no, we're going to be different. We're going to do it Wednesday. Yeah, we went to the
1: comic book shop last night. We hadn't been in like four weeks. So I was just like, I had a list. I went in there with a mission and we walked out with like 10 books and it was great. It was great.
0: I haven't been to a comic store in a very long time. We have a really cool one around here called Jetpack Comics and I need to get there someday. I'm I'm not great with comics because I'm really impatient. So I like to wait for the trades usually Mm, uh because single issues I'm just like "Mm, what now (laughs) I feel the same way about TV series I'm pretty impatient about a lot of things and very patient about other things I don't know why um so books we're going to talk about books but first I want to remind you that we are answering listener questions over the next few weeks after this episode uh, in celebration of our 300th episode so if you have a question Some of you do. Thank you to those of you who have sent them in. Uh, You can drop us a line at books at bookriot.com, and we will read those on the air. And also thank you to all the lovely people who have been leaving us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's so great to see, and everyone is so nice, and I just appreciate it. Such warm fuzzies. Yeah, so, so much. It's so great. And if you haven't, please feel free to go and... Put your rating in and say whatever you want. Talk about your cat, your books. Just, it's a huge help to us to get those stars. So we really, really appreciate it. And before I tell you about my first book today, we are going to hear from a sponsor. Okay. I am very excited about this book. I'm very excited about a lot of books. I think, do you think excited is probably the adjective I use the most? I think so. It's, it's probably what I say the most. I I say excited and great. Excited yeah oh yeah great yeah <laughs> like if i if i did a cloud of all the words i use i think like book and then excited and cat cat would probably yeah be my top three maybe the f word i do say the f word a lot but not on air <laughs> <laughs> not on
1: this show
0: yeah <laughs> all right so let's get back to my first book my first book for today is the city of good death by priyanka chumpaneri It was the winner of the Restless Books Prize for New Immigrant Writing, which means that Restless Books gave them this award and then said they would publish the book. And it got delayed because of, you know, the delays that everyone has been experiencing in publishing. Uh, But now it is out and it's so, so lovely. It's a mystery, but not really. But just this incredible story about death and life. There is a lot of talk about death and dying in my description of this book, so I just want to give you a heads up that if that is something that you are sensitive to, that is basically what I am going to be talking about right now, uh, so you might want to skip ahead. But this novel takes place in India's holy city of Kashi, which sits on the Ganges River, and it is said that if you die in this city, if you die in Kashi, which also has like some other names, this holy city, like Banaras, but if you die in this city, you won't be reincarnated which is a goal for people. If you die outside the city, you might come back and you might be a- another human or you might be another animal or, you know, a insect. It depends on what you've done. So much like when you go to confession and you get into heaven, if you just absolve yourself of your sins, if you die in this holy city, no matter what you did, you won't be reincarnated. And There's all these rituals that happen when someone dies in this holy city. And it's said that the city's purifying fire releases you from the cycle of reincarnation. And so the story takes place at what is called a death hostel, um, where people come. The guests are usually families with a dying family member. Um, And the rules and regulations of this hostel are that the person has to be someone who is uh, dying of old age. Or natural causes, or like something that is very peaceful, which is what they call a good death. And the whole family comes and they make the preparations while their dying family member is in this room. And they get to stay for two weeks. You have your two weeks in this hostel. There's a whole list of people waiting to get in. And after two weeks, if your family member has not passed on, uh, you have to leave the city again. And this is the business of this hostel. And there's also people there to like, Take care of everything. Like when your family member passes on, you know, um, they'll help you. There's an in house priest who comes and they help you get wood for your funeral pyre and get all the people to help you take care of the body after. And of course, the thing about this is that with everything in every industry, there are people who will cut corners and get rid of your loved one by dropping them in the river and instead giving you a jar full of ashes because they don't want to spend the time taking care of a funeral pyre. And I tell you this because at the beginning of this book, there are some men who are out in a boat in the morning, like out for a little morning. It's not a morning drive. What do you do on the morning float? And they see this abandoned boat that belongs to a friend of theirs floating in the river. And when they get to it, they find that there is a, a body tied to the anchor. And they realize that it's not someone who has just been left there by um, one of these people that, you know, helps get rid of people after they've passed on. Like, this is, like, an actual, like, what happened to this man. And the manager of this death hostel is named Pramesh, and he's lived there for a decade with his wife and daughter. Uh, And he likes his work. He's good with people. He feels like he's doing something worthy, helping, you know, people help their loved ones move on. And he also has a staff, and there's an in-house priest. And... The thing about the man that is found in the river is that he bears an uncanny resemblance to Pramesh. And this forces Pramesh to confront the past that he left behind and to make peace with the ghosts in his life so he can go on living while around him people continue to blink out of existence. I was completely entranced by this book. I thought the writing was beautiful. I thought the story was unlike anything I had ever read before. Uh, I was very interested in... You know, the death rituals that they go through. And it's just a great way to look at how you are haunted by the past, literally and figuratively. And I mean, this book is listed as ghost fiction. So make of that what you will. But I can't tell you too much without spoiling it. But the characters were fully realized. I felt like I knew them and I wanted to spend more time with them. They all showed great compassion and great love for the people around them. And I loved Pramesh's assistant. He's very efficient. One of those who like anticipates his boss's needs before he even knows that he needs them. It was just a heck of a debut. And I loved it. It is called The City of Good Death. And it's by Priyanka Champaneri. For my first pick, I I was going to say I am excited. I am
1: ecstatic. (laughs) I am thrilled. I am beside myself with joy to share with you Nubia Real One by L.L. McKinney. Illustrated by Robin Smith with Bex Glendening, Brie Henderson, and Ariana Mayer. If you are familiar with Wonder Woman lore, then you probably know who Nubia is. Content warning for racism, sexual coercion, police violence, and an active school shooter. In this comic, Nubia is a black and 17-year-old girl with superpowers that she does her best to keep hidden and under control for obvious reasons – She's black with superpowers. Racists already think that normal black people are dangerous. How do we think they'd treat a black girl with super strength? She has powers, but she is not invincible. So she lays low with her two moms. In fact, because of a few incidents, they've already had to pack up and move towns multiple times in order to keep Nubia safe. They finally lived in a place long enough where she's been able to plant some roots, and make some really good friends. Her two best friends are Quisha and Jason. When we start the book, Nubia, Quisha, and Jason are outside the corner store having slushies and talking about their summer plans. Nubia's moms are kind of strict, so it's likely she won't be doing much of anything, though Quisha wants her to at least come to the upcoming March Against Police Brutality that she is organizing. Quisha and Jason leave and Nubia goes into the shop to get a refill of her slushy or whatever. Her crush, Oscar, happens to be in the shop. When they're in there, there's an attempted robbery and Nubia has no choice but to use her powers to stop them. The cashier decides then that Nubia was also a robber and calls the cops and it's a whole traumatic mess. This comic is phenomenal. Nubia's story, though fantasy, is still the very real story of Black women being at the forefront of fights for justice. How much do we all as people risk or need to risk in order to protect others? And how can we keep up the fight for a society that views us as less than human? Not gonna lie, I cried through most of this comic. Not because it's bad, but because it's so incredibly good. Nubia is the hero that I didn't know I needed. The story alone is a powerful one, but the artwork? I said on Twitter that the artwork reached into my chest and grabbed my heart, and it's true. It is just perfect for the story, and there's so much life and nuance in the expressions of these characters. I highly recommend this comic. Even if you're not into superhero comics, you need to read this one. It's Nubia Real One by L.L. McKinney, illustrated by Robin Smith with Bex Glendening. Henderson, and Ariana Marr.
0: All right. Maybe that's what I'll go get at the comic store when I finally venture out of the house.
1: Yes, it's so good.
0: Speaking of so good, I have a story collection that I am very excited about. Oh, I said excited again. I was like, don't say it again in this show. It's too late. <laughs> I ruined it. It is called Never Have I Ever, Stories by Isabel Yap. This is coming out from Small Beer Press, who is one of my favorite publishers. Recent favorites include Sooner or Later, Everything Falls into the Sea by Sarah Pinsker, Terra Nullius by Claire Coleman, and Ambiguity Machines by Vandana Singh. They just publish the most incredible, weird, moving... Strange strange, and weird, I guess, are the same fiction. I just get excited and I say a lot of adjectives, I guess, is what happens here. But this is a new collection of 13 stories that are speculative, horror, science fiction, urban fantasy, fairy tale, romance stories. There's a little bit of everything going on here. Yap was born and raised in Manila, and these stories are steeped in Filipino myth that she grew up learning Uh, The creatures from these myths uh, make appearances in these stories. I had to Google several things in this book because I didn't know them, but I'm glad that I did. Uh, I learned a lot. And also the creatures in these stories are just as amazing and upsetting as she writes them in the stories. I I, should say the creatures that I saw on Google are like exactly as she says them. Um, And I have to tell you, I often read to fall asleep. And I started reading this book from the very beginning. I was like, Am I dreaming this? Did I already fall asleep? Because this is so strange. Uh, and then I had to sit up and just keep reading. But I have to tell you, the first sentences of this first story, like the from the very beginning, this woman just like walks up to a window and she sprouts wings and detaches from the lower half of her body, which is why I was like, am I dreaming this? But she just like leaves the lower half of her body, just pops right out of it like she's Mr. Potato Head, just like leaves it right there. And now she's this winged creature which is a, a vampire in Filipino myth. And they fly around and very disturbing. I'm going to just mention this because this is what happens. Um, but this creature uh, flies around and eats the unborn babies from mothers while they're sleeping. And this woman, when she's not being this winged creature, uh, ends up at a reform school sharing a room with a young woman who is having her own issues with babies. Like They stress her out and and she just gets very tense around them and is worried something's going to happen. There's also a scaly green-beaked river creature that revisits a woman as she cares for her dying husband. Some of the stories have synthetic foods. There's a future where our doctors and nurses are robots. There's one with ghosts. These are just gorgeously crafted tales of longing and belonging, often with characters who have regrets in their past that are going to revisit them and relationships that are fractured and in need of fixing. Like I said, I had to Google a lot of the terms, like the kappa, which is the beaked green scaly creature, um, and also the first creature, which is like a vampire. And then there's a retelling of the story of Maganda and Malakas, which is the ancient Philippine creation myth. And I didn't know that, so that helped to look it up. I love looking up stuff while I read. It feels like extra super nerdy, and I love it. I do want to give you a content warning, like I was saying, (laughs) I already mentioned the creature that eats babies. um, But, you know, content warning for disturbing imagery, gore, illness, drowning, violence, death. But this might be my favorite story collection of the year. It's just so incredible. It is called Never Have I Ever, Stories by Isabel Yap.
1: So I am both intrigued and horrified as a, like, the idea of this book as a Filipino myself. Like, I know like our creepy creatures are no joke, and so I'm Seriously. like, "Ooh, I want to read this, but I may never sleep
0: again." Yeah, <laughs> I'm mean, like, I was saying, you know, I was like, "This isn't really what this book is saying, right?" Like, this woman didn't just like walk out of her lower half of her body and fly off, but yes, yes she did,
1: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> For my next pick, I have My Life in Transition, a Super Late Bloomer collection by Julia Kay. I have talked about Julia Kay's first comic collection, Super Late Bloomer, on all the backlist, and I was super excited to see that she has a new book that came out this month that actually came out last week. Julia's first collection was about the early parts of her transition and her experiences navigating how to live more authentically. I think this new collection is extra special because it's a few years after she began her journey and it's a peek into her daily life. Specifically, she made daily comics for six months nonstop, no matter what, as long as she was honest in them. There are so many trans stories that involve trauma, especially around things that tend to happen on the beginning end, like coming out or starting HRT and... I really appreciate Julia sharing stories of everyday life. Dating, friendships, family stuff, being late for work, breaking up and working out what friendship with her ex looks like. It is so important that we get queer and trans stories like these, that we get to see queer and trans people living a normal, healthy life. That yes, there are some hard crappy parts, but there's also a lot of joy to be had. Julia shares many moments of honesty and vulnerability, things that happen that make her feel validated or not, and the sometimes terrifying reality of dating and having crushes, and the charm that can be found in those situations and feelings. The book has a bit of a prologue as well as an epilogue and afterward, which I sincerely appreciated, especially where she talks about being angry at her past pre-transition self that she maybe wasted time and joy by not transitioning earlier, that she allowed fear to make her decisions for her, and eventually how she's come to embrace her past self. Again, super important things for people, especially trans people, to hear. This collection is so cute and funny and charming and authentic. It's My Life in Transition, a super late bloomer collection by Julia Kay.
0: More comics to pick up. Just kidding. I'm never leaving my house again. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly because it just keeps snowing. It's like snow upon snow upon snow. Usually, like, it melts, but that's not happening this year. It just, like, keeps building up and up and up and up. We're supposed to get more on Sunday. Hooray!
1: There's no snow where we are, but my wife has gotten both um, shots of her vaccine, so she's been doing most of the going out. So I am almost strictly an indoor cat. And, uh, the other, like I said, yesterday, we went out to the comic shop and I was pretending like this was the first time I was outside. I'm like, oh, it's so, it's so big out here. Ooh, what are these? <laughs> She's like, plants? I'm like, yeah, what are the? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You have to do what you have to do right now. Yeah. You know, we're all kind of, I feel like collectively we've sort of hit the pandemic wall. And, you know, my friend was saying the other day, We all thought it was going to be better at this point, you know, when this started, and Mm. it's not, Mm -hmm. not really. And so you just do what you have to. It's all right. Yep. Okay. So my next pick today is Flight of the Diamond Smugglers, A Tale of Pigeons, Obsession, and Greed Along Coastal South Africa by Matthew Gavin Frank. This whole book is kind of heavy, so... Again, what I'm going to be talking about today is pretty heavy, a lot of different things, kind of sad and a little dark, so I just want to give you a heads up before uh, I continue. So this is the story of diamond mining in South Africa, and Matthew Frank did some heavy research into the diamond coast in South Africa. I did not know this, maybe other people knew this, but for 80 years... De Beers Jewelers had an arrangement with the South African government where they had exclusive rights to a large segment of the land along the coast. It was basically like their own country. They had exclusive access to the diamond mines and it was called like the forbidden zone. No one was allowed to go in or out without permission. They said they provided for the workers like they lived there and only recently have sections of this opened back up where you can go in. Um, Because it's so overmined that, like, there's nothing left. But, of course, they would have you believe, you know, they're like, hey, we're a family and we all live here and the workers are treated well. But, of course, we know that isn't true. Um, And they were obviously exploited and they suffered and they required medical attention from things like dust and, you know, accidents that happened to them while they were there. And meanwhile, like, the solution to a lot of their financial troubles was passed around in their hands every day. And, of course, we've heard the stories about how people tried to smuggle diamonds out of mines, like, on their persons. But someone figured out how to use pigeons. And so they would sneak pigeons into the forbidden zone and attach diamonds to them and then send them to a different location for someone else to retrieve or to go retrieve themselves. And so much so that, like, the security at the mines were required to shoot birds on sight that flew over the mines. But occasionally you know, the birds still got through. So Frank originally went to South Africa uh, with his partner. They were grieving. They had just experienced another miscarriage and they were bringing the ashes uh, to this land. And this is where he learned about the Forbidden Zone and De Beers. And he met a young smuggler who had pigeons and he told him tales of how, you know, there used to be these other smugglers and they just sort of disappeared and it was all very shady. And through that, he looks... At the larger picture of pigeons used in smuggling throughout history, the bloodied history of diamonds and the horrible effects of diamond mining and demand on the environment and people, and also uh, he looks at grief. You know, because he's he's going through this really hard time. Like while he's looking into all of this, it's a fascinating book. But like I said, it's really s- like dark and sad in places uh, because I mean he was in a sad place when he wrote it. The treatment of the workers is terrible. And let's not forget the pigeons. There are lots of descriptions of pigeons dying. And I have to say, you know, I try to be honest with you. In hindsight, I would not have read this book if someone had warned me up front about the pigeon death. But I am glad that I read it because I learned a lot about the devastation caused by diamond mining. I mean, I've heard the stories through the years. And I know there's like that Leonardo DiCaprio movie. But, you know, who knows if that's true. Um, And so it was really interesting and important to learn this stuff. And I'm sure a lot of people will find it really fascinating. So it is called Flight of the Diamond Smugglers, A Tale of Pigeons, Obsession and Greed along Coastal South Africa by Matthew Gavin Frank. And that brings us to our next sponsor. Okay, Patricia, what do you have next for my next book? I have The Handbook for
1: Bad Days Shortcuts to Get Present When Things Aren't Perfect by Evelyn Helmink. Okay, so this book has a number of things that are normally red flags for me. Things which usually make me stop reading entirely, such as referring to scientific research without actually citing sources or the common and incredibly annoying oversimplification of left brain versus right brain. However, looking past these things, there are also some really, really great things in this book that I thought it's definitely worth sharing. Like many self-help slash self-improvement books, I say take what's best and leave the rest. The author, Evelyn Helmink, is not a therapist. She is a writer and journalist and editor-in-chief at Happiness, a media brand which focuses on spirituality and personal growth. The book is exactly as the title says. Bad days are going to happen, even for those of us who are the most laid back or the most hashtag blessed. Bad days are inevitable. Instead of pretending that they don't exist or hiding from them, the author offers dozens of options of ways to ride the waves of the bad days, acknowledge them and get through them. Some of the options really spoke to me and many are similar to what I write about in my personal newsletter, so I felt pretty validated at some points. The author notes that when we're having bad days, the last thing we want to hear is it will get better, even though it Like it might, or that we should, you know, meditate more or something just to get through the bad day. There may be some wisdom somewhere in these things, but when we're in the midst of a bad day, they're not actually helpful. The suggestions in this book have a wide range because sometimes it's something simple and you just need to curl up in a fluffy blanket or have a hot shower. But other times you may need something a bit more substantial and she offers those suggestions as well. One of the things I appreciate most, which is also something I do, is that she gives a lot of permission. Sometimes you just need to have a good cry. And sometimes when that is what would actually do us a lot of good, we try to avoid it at all costs. So she says just to grab a box of tissue, put on some sad music, and don't hold back. Allow yourself the time and space to feel, and then when you're done, get on with your day. There are a number of suggestions that aren't available to many of us during the pandemic, like going to a museum or other things that aren't necessarily accessible to a lot of people, like going to the ocean. Still, I think there are at least a handful of things in this book for everyone. This is The Handbook for Bad Days, Shortcuts to Get Present When Things Aren't Perfect by Evelyn Helmink.
0: Okay, and for my last pick today, I have The Blizzard Party by Jack Living's. This is the song that I sing every week now, but I haven't finished this book. I read a book for today, and the date got moved several weeks away, and then I read another book for today, and it was so bad. I just, it was so bad that I'm embarrassed to think that maybe even a ghost saw me reading it because it's so bad. And so I started this one, and I'm really enjoying this book. It's a rambling work of literary fiction, and I mean that in the nicest way It meanders around from present day to this party in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. There's a big penthouse apartment, and there's a blizzard going on, as you might have guessed from the title. And there's a woman named Hazel Saltwater. And in the present day, she's widowed. But at this party, she's a young girl, and she's six years old, and she meets an older man named Albert Haynes Caldwell, who takes her hand and literally, as far as I can figure out, literally passes on his life story through this handshake. And it moves back uh, to cover kind of his life and the Vietnam War, and it moves up to 9-11 and back to this party. It always goes back to this party. It's, It's an actual blizzard that took place in New York City and other parts of the country, like in February of 1978. It, I would say, I mean, I haven't finished it, but it's a book that needs your patience. So if you're looking for a book to fly through, this is not it. But it's weird and smart, and I have no idea where it's going. And I love that. I read The Jacket, and I thought I was getting something like The Ice Storm. And instead, it's a ghost story. And it's the story of Hazel's life. And it's a book about loss. And it's been a long time since I've read literary fiction that I felt I had to work at. And I love that. I'm, I'm just really enjoying it. So again, it is called The Blizzard Party, and it is by Jack Living's. My last book is titled Raceless,
1: In Search of Family, Identity, and the Truth About Where I Belong by Georgina Lawton. This memoir was such a bananas wild ride. Quick content warning for death of a parent from cancer. Georgina Lawton grew up in the suburban outskirts of London. Her father was British, her mother Irish, and both parents were white, which is fascinating when you learn that the, that Georgina is black. When Georgina was born to her white mother, she was clearly a black baby. But her mother's husband, aka Georgina's father, said nothing. So the mother said nothing. The nurse or maybe the midwife who was there threw them a lifeline and was like, "Must be those recessive genes of yours from western Ireland." And Georgina's mom and dad took like that little sentence and ran with it for over two decades. Yes, for two decades, they insisted that they were both Georgina's biological parents. And everyone around them, family, friends, were too polite to say anything, so they just went along with the lie. Even things like filling out that she was white on official school paperwork. Of course, Georgina went along with it for a long time, because why would your parents lie to you about something like this? And, like, why would everyone else lie to you about it? If it weren't true, surely, surely someone would have said something, wouldn't they? As Georgina got older, she, like, deliberately tried asking both of her parents. She brought it up multiple times. And each of her parents, both together and separately, just doubled down on the lie. Like, just right to her face. As Georgina works on discovering who she is and contemplating the meaning of family, she takes us to many countries with her. She goes to various places like New York and Nicaragua to immerse herself in blackness. She does some investigative reporting on where hair extensions come from. And yes, there is a lot of hair talk, and for good reason. It would be so easy to hear of her situation and think that, one, it's unbelievable, but also, two, to judge her parents harshly. Lawton does an amazing job of telling her story and her family's story with tender care and showing that there was a lot of love in her home growing up and she truly loves her parents. Lawton's story is both unique but also relatable to many Black people who have grown up in non-Black homes, whether that be through transracial adoptions or in my case, I grew up with the Asian and white side of my family. And the truth is, many, many non-Black people raising Black children on their own do not know how to address and care for the child's Blackness. And in that way, I don't find Lawton's story unbelievable at all. It was a super engaging book. I highly recommend. Raceless in Search of Family, Identity, and the Truth About Where I Belong by Georgina Lawton.
0: All right. So those are books. We read them. So those are books we read. (laughs) We read them. What are you going to read next?
1: I'm really excited. I finally got a copy of The Body is Not an Apology, the second edition. So it's revised with new stuff. And that's what I'm working on now.
0: All right. I'm going to finish The Blizzard Party. And then I'm going to read the new Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. It's coming in August. It's called Velvet Was the Night which I keep singing as Patient is the Night from Over the Garden Wall. But anyway, so this is about a missing woman in Mexico City in the 1970s, and I'm sure it'll be awesome, like everything else that she does. And that's all for today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line and ask your questions for our 300th episode at All the Books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Patricia hangs out on Twitter and Instagram as The Info File. I hang out on Instagram as Franzen Comes Alive. I'm kind of thinking about changing that name because especially now that Jonathan Franzen has a new book coming out, people are just like, Mm. you must be so excited. You love him so much. Mm. And I'm like, no, I just thought it was funny because I wanted to do something about books rocking. Speaking of Frampton, though, I just got this amazing T-shirt that has... Because Frampton Comes Alive is, you know, what I based my name on. And I just got this awesome t-shirt that has Peter Frampton on it, but he's wearing a mask and it says, Frampton Stays Inside. It's just so great. But moving on, if you would like to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading.